Hello, my friend, we meet again. Been a while, where should we begin? Feels like forever. Within my heart of memories, the perfect love that you gave to me. Oh, I remember when you are with me. I'm free. I'm careless. I believe above all others with light is breathed to my eyes. My sacrifice. They're a Christian rock band, huh? Uh, I had a friend that actually went to school with the lead singer, and apparently they're a Christian rock band quite literally in How Much Money Can We Make From This Name Only. Apparently the lead singer is just as big of a cock as you would expect. I mean, that's kind of good for them almost is that good for them if they were good people i guess but i'm fine if people just making money where they can yeah and i feel like that's exactly what you'd expect from them like nobody listened to their songs and thought oh i'm so inspired no it's it's exactly what you'd expect i feel like i forget this guy's name and fuck him but um like do you see that guy that was like talking about how he was a star without like being woke and all of his songs were like calling for lynchings and shit. Um, it was like a country star who was like, not even like a star. Like he was like a moderately successful country guy who was just like doing the shtick, you know, that, that you do on line. Horrifically redundant for most country stars, I think. And I say this as someone who married a woman who quite literally will only listen to two genres of music, jazz or country, because she is in love with jazz, but grew up with country. And we have had a lot of debates about what actually makes country music. So if there is some kind of controversy within that genre, I feel like I've heard it, whether I wanted to or not. I mean, like there's such a, a sharp divide um in country though because like you have stuff that's like i'm in my pickup truck if you paint it on blue jeans like just like bullshit like that's there just to make money for drinking yeah it's hip-hop with like a banjo in the background is quite literally what it is at this point and then you have like um people like uh i really like um orville peck and like that style of like oh like you you have to yeah well, Orville Peck sings like a more, um, and this is a like niche genre of music that I've gotten into just completely randomly, but it's called like Southern Gothic. And that is very much the style that he replicates, which is even funnier because he's from Vancouver, Canada. Um, but he has perfectly like encompassed this genre of like this uber, um, like, christian aesthetic that has come with a lot of um like southern revival music and kind of turned it on its head which is what i've considered southern gothic like it completely highlights all these really dark negative aspects of all these things that everybody has considered positive since like the beginning of time um so i love his art style because he 
perfectly like grabbed onto that and said, you know what, this is my aesthetic now and fuck you. And just made it into everything that is like our generation should be looking at these types of like um cultures and musics as and kind of you know telling them that this is bullshit like everything that we've had to face with this yeah and country music is just such a it is a genre that is like born i'm like getting blood from like scraps like i feel like so much of like country music is like what i think of it like what made it important was that it was people talking about their feelings and their experience and their just their distance not always dislike association but like it was like looking at something like oh like what are what does it mean to like be doing these things on your own or like away from people or working in this way like i'm like like this like line of like there's like a very like working class kind of like in like poverty like through line and so much country of like what like made the foundation and like of course there's like a lot of like weird like bullshit artists that would like just come in and be racist or like christian and like yeah. make that a thing but yeah latch on to that in a very negative way there are a lot of myths that we have had made for us about like cowboys and stuff where it's like basically what they were was like a lot of people a lot of them not white who uh just like were working for like a couple years and some of them got in gunfight so then they become like this weird like symbol of like masculinity and like killing and like being like an individual it's like no they were like long-haul truckers for like animals basically that were like working paycheck to paycheck and hard work like they weren't like fun in that way that like a lot of people like make cowboys out to be you know yeah exactly that there's uh definitely something to be said for kind of um taking that aesthetic and turning it on its head i think um you would love um the wrestler hangman adam page um he's very much like what if someone like orville peck was like a like wrestler um what most people call him is the anxious millennial cowboy um his whole thing is that like um he just like super does not lo- like does not like love himself and like has like a lot of trouble like reaching out for things or wanting things or like dealing with like failure and stuff and he's like been like a very compelling character in the past like couple years is like right now he's like in like year three of like a plot line um just based around his own feelings of like I guess like failure, but also like isolation and stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. good character. Uh, but no, um, that cowboy shit does like kind of remind me though of like um, I've been like reading about samurai lately. Oh, uh, that's interesting. And like by reading about like samurai, like I mean I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima, and the whole time I've just been like, man, this is some fucking imperialistic like propaganda. This whole like bushido thing you know uh and like i've like they're also like cowboys like just as like myth of like a time that didn't really exist of people who didn't really act that way and all this stuff it's just uh very interesting like to read and be like yeah they were like dudes that like partied a lot and like lived in cities and like fought in wars like they weren't like these noble warriors like and like most of them like weren't even using swords until like years later you know yeah for sure 
And the thing that kind of struck out to me that I think will come up later in the show is that um, so before like the country modernized Japan at, and like by like modernized, I mean like in like the like in the 1800s kind of thing where it was like, oh, um, let's become more like Western countries. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a big culture of a big queer culture that like the samurai were at like the forefront of which I find very interesting. Um, there's lots of stuff like important, like playwriter, like play was like about like two men coming to blows because they're arguing about like, uh, if loving a boy or loving like a woman was better and like how, like the whole like culture they had from monks to samurai to like other institutions of like an older man having like a youthful, like apprentice. And like, that was like the most pure love you could have. It's like, okay, a lot makes sense when you realize the like ghost of that, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, it definitely puts a different perspective in it, I think. I feel like our whole online fandom lives, we've probably seen people read that into media and like a lot of like Japanese media too. So it's fun to be like, oh, yeah, just seeing what's th- what's plainly there if like repressed or like a part of culture that's like been like hidden you know yeah for sure but no um i that's kind of what i'm doing lately is there anything else that like uh we want to hit or is it um i can't think of anything in particular i will just say as uh someone from texas who right now is um kind of dealing with the fallout from the democratic senators from texas uh leaving the state to go to dc um, I'll just say that our governor that most of us did not vote for, so, you know, however, yeah. he ended up in his position, more uh, power to him, whatever you want to say, to make that politically correct. Uh, less power to him, I'd say, personally. Yeah, yeah. honestly, that's where I'm coming from. Um, but the problem is... Um, as a whole, I am not a person who agrees with fleeing the state to get your job done. I don't think that's right. I don't think that that's something you should have to do. As someone who is a rational human being who knows how Texas politics work because I have lived here my entire life, good on you. And if that's what you have to do to make sure that we are not... um bowing down to the pressures of living in a society that is going to continue systemic violence. Yes, that's exactly what you did is what you should do. But I, as a person, am wholeheartedly against the idea of having to leave your state to be able to do your job. That is not a reflection on those senators, because obviously, once again, I agree with what they did, but it's fucking bullshit that it had to resort to that. And no, yeah, that that's uh, my political system in a nutshell. No, we're in a time of um, just it being very plain that propriety is on the side of those who would do harm. It's like it's more impolite or against the rules or like out of like turn to act than to react to like massive fucking terrible things and like just like real issues it's like much more of a concern that you're like striking out against like clear like voting rights issues versus like 
doing it the right way where there's no right way. Like, fuck that. So it's just like a whole, that's just where we're at right now. And like, I feel like the same way for like Cuba where I'm just like, Hey guys, um, I'm not saying like I a hundred percent like support the Cuba government, but also like they're their own fucking country, but the fuck out at a certain point. And let's like ease up any sanctions that are materially like affecting them more than that. If we want to have a like, conversation with people, we can't also be destroying their livelihoods and like putting them in a like situation where it's very difficult to prosper, you know? Yeah. And that's the point I've come to with Texas. Like, I know that the reason that most of those senators left was because they had already been pigeonholed in a very disgusting way because of the way that our state Senate works. So I cannot blame them for doing what they did on the same hand being repulsed that it had to fucking come to that. And it's not just Texas. Like, I feel that way with any voting majority that has to resort to leaving the fucking state to try and find some kind of justice for their way that they're viewing the world. That's just disgusting. Oh, yeah, it is. And, like, I'm very much like, I'm, let's, figure out things that work for everybody and like and like national standards i'm not super big on like the way that like state rights have been like perverted like certain ways just like hey let's just make it clear that you can use fucking bathrooms let's make it clear like that you can vote like let's make it clear that you can't go to jail for like your debt from court and that there's like all these things where there's like local laws that just hurt people really badly you know yeah exactly but sometimes the only way to heal your hurting heart is through the endless consumption of media but no um let's talk about it because i think in a nutshell we could see everything that we've talked about kind of like come up here as well there's like a very interesting turn of the show um this is our third part of our book club on Comrader Hibiki. Uh, and yeah, so we covered episodes 16 to 22. That is episode 16, Roaring Arnie, uh, which is the conclusion to the two-parter uh, that we started last time. Here's episode 17, um, A Targeted Town. Episode 18, Unbroken Hurricane. They make a like two-parter. Episode 19, Strumming Warrior. Episode 20, Pure Sound. Also a two-parter. Episode 21, Gathering Demons. And episode 22, Becoming a Cocoon. The last two-parter. So let's check in. How are we feeling about this show at this point? I still feel like I felt like I did before. Like I'm still um, in some ways waiting for the other shoe to drop because it is such a um, really well-defined show. And... um, You can definitely tell looking at all the major and even a lot of the minor characters, like kind of where their arc is going. Um, So I definitely appreciate that about it. Um, But I also appreciate that there are some places where it leaves the, I guess the word is interpretation open to kind of figuring out like how they're going to address future problems. Um, especially with the big bad guys, um, you're not always 100% like on how they're going to 
look at things in the future. But with the bad, or I'm sorry, not with the bad, the, with the good guys, definitely there is a um, kind of very inset trajectory on how they want the characters to develop. Um, and I like that there's a very comfortable feeling with that, especially with the fact that it almost seems like um, the show is very much prepared to um, pair everyone off. Which is yeah. something that I made note about a couple of times I, I saw when I was back reviewing. No, yeah, like, there's something just so interesting about how wholesome this show is willing to be. But there are times where it kind of clashes with me where I'm just kind of like, it's laying it on a little thick or like, maybe being like a little too like conservative or like heteronormative for like, um, I'm always worried about like, maybe overseeing what I want in fiction where I'm like, oh, look, it's clear oh, yeah. that there's like a structural issue here. It's fun because they're like where it might not always be actually being looked at. But here I was like, man, they're kind of laying like everybody's looking at these kids that are like flirting and like, being like oh, this is great. They're going to date. Like, OK, that's a little much, guys. Yeah, for sure. And it wasn't only the kids, though. It It kind of felt like if you look at the adults, like whether they did it intentionally or not, they all kind of um, inadvertently fell into these roles that were perfect for each other. And I'm not going to um, cast any shade on the fact that um, they played the adult couples the way that they did, but they were very much like, it, it felt like the way that they all came together was very compact and neat and probably not something you'd see in most shows i think because it was so like tied up with a bow yeah like there are lots of points where i was like oh is this going to be an ongoing thing and then they kind of squash it to the point where like i'm maybe it's good that i'm having these feelings now because maybe it's just like and now like they're like going to be like um like what's the like um like grist for the mill or like meat for the grinder kind of thing where like now that they're perfectly aligned or in this way, they're going to just kind of be like the blood that like lubricates the gears of this show. We're like, we're already seeing the issues of like this system and like what they're doing, you know? Yeah. But they never quite measure up to it. Do they like it? It almost seems like they're, um, the show is very much, uh, trying to force these roles in a way that's a lot more neat than you would probably like deal with on a day-to-day basis. And I think like that could be very cool if like, like I'm so, I really am like waiting every week to see what the end game or the conclusion of Akira's arc is where I'm just like, what's, what's, what's going on here? Like, she's just such a, She's just, like, in such an interesting place as a character, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. But, uh, let's talk about that first episode, uh, Roaring Ani. Um, and here, um, we start out by, um, returning, uh, we were midway through this, like, arc of, um, last time we had Zanki announcing he was retiring, and, um, him and Toriyama get into a, like, fight with, uh, some parents 
and they're monsters. It's like a weird skunk porcupine bull. It's weird and it's janky, but it's kind of cool. And it's kind of scary at the same time. I love it. Oh, they're fighting, and that's like intercut with um, Hibiki is at Asumu's house, and his mom tries to like sit down with them and be like, "Oh, like here's like his compass, and here's this." It's like very like she's a great character to me. Like I like love her every time she's on screen. Honestly, no, I'm. 100% in the same boat and I feel like part of the fun of her character is that um, the actress herself knows how to make fun of the character without like um, taking herself out of the moment and it's really to me always great to see her on screen because she does that so well like she plays that perfect intersection of Knowing her character is ridiculous, but not ever like giving it away as an actress. And that's always a fun thing for me to see. And she does it just so perfectly. Like no criticism there whatsoever. I also have to say, though, I had a very um, similar compliment for the character that plays the um, female, not female dad of the monsters that are coming up because she always manages to like throw herself into that role in such a great way. Like the way she moves, the way she walks, the way she talks, like everything that she does and then comes out with that really masculine voice is always something that is such a treat to see. Like it doesn't matter who she's interacting with or what her scene is. She always plays that so just perfectly. It's, it's something that, I love to see pop up on my screen because it always adds such a level of interest that you probably wouldn't have otherwise. How do you feel about um, Hibiki not taking him on as an apprentice? Because that was like an like conversation to me, you know? Yeah, I feel like it's something that, um, you know, as a viewer, you're kind of waiting to see how that plays out. But on the other hand... Um, watching especially the first like i don't know three or four episodes from the point that we started out play out it made sense as like he 100 is a great kid and he obviously has a great streak of responsibility about him but i think that hibiki was right to kind of let him still have some time to develop and come into his own and kind of like figure out where his life is going before thrusting all this responsibility on him. And honestly, one of my biggest gripes was the fact that they had thrust so much of that onto Akira. Um, and she had, like, to speak of, not a lot of, like, school or not a lot of, like, outside influence. Her life had become wrapped around these people in their mission, which isn't a bad thing but at her age isn't a great thing either because it's not like she's really being given a lot of choice about kind of where her future rolls so yeah it it felt very responsible that Hibiki was not willing to just take him on and be like you know what this is my apprentice now and this is what his life is so it was for someone who uh, plays like the really cool gregarious guy a lot of the time a very responsible decision for him to make. I like how being a common Rider isn't a focus or necessarily like a wanted or important thing because like sometimes 
I can feel like maybe too many people become common riders in the franchise, like where it's like, oh hey, um, this is the natural endpoint of this character. Like, well, I like that it's not necessarily that. Um, I do think that it's also like I don't know if it's him being responsible or if it's him being non-committal because like his whole thing of like he doesn't know how to stop bikes. He's like clearly into Midori or like Kasumi or both and not taking any real action towards it. Like there's something very non-committal or like not willing to do what needs to be done on like a personal level. Like he's like not willing to do anything like beyond like training and his job basically. No, I could see that for sure in him not taking on that role just for the simple fact that he doesn't want the responsibility that comes with that, which would uh, be equal parts uh, unique and fun for a writer, but also I feel like very on brand and I feel like um, definitely something that should be considered very highly because you're quite literally like rearranging someone's life and focus when you bring them into this world so yeah it's it's definitely a big um thought process for someone you probably wouldn't naturally attune a big thought process to and um he's at this point older for a writer like there hadn't been maybe like one character in like a previous show had been older but like a lot of like writers are like in a transitional period in their life of like, Oh, like they're like young adults. They're in their twenties, their early twenties or like late teens kind of thing. And um, it's interesting. Cause like, it's clear too that like, he doesn't want to admit that it's, he is at a point in his life where he should maybe start a relationship in like a romantic or like apprentice way. Cause like that would mean that his life has progressed. The age has happened too, which is kind of relatable. Oh, definitely. But also, it's one of the fun things about him, I think, because yeah. that's just a, a really innate part of his personality, too. He's definitely someone who always wants the best for people, and I feel like you can tell that with, like, his actions and the way he treats the people around him. But he's also someone who kind of always wants to see that best from a distance, so it's very yes. fun to see him get attached to people. Because it adds a dynamic to his character that you probably wouldn't have placed otherwise. And I I like that about him, not only as an actor, but like if you're taking the real life part away from it, him as a common writer, that is very, um, very fitting with the kind of perception that I've come to uh, value of writers is just the fact that they are very independent and they do try to be very careful about who they bring into their world and like how deep that uh, interaction is. And um, that's like part of like the, like the curse of being like a writer. It's like, you're like a like transient like thing. And like, how do you make connections? Like, how do you be a person like in that way? And like, that's like a fun thing to explore. And um, I, let's just talk whole segment, full thing about akira like full spoilers like a whole bunch whatever but fuck dude like i was just like the whole time i was like wait 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 so akira isn't just missing a day here and there and having her parents write her note she's like missing hey. all the time and not living with her parents does she live with ibuki 
that's kind of the impression that I got. But on top of that, like, and actually it's one of my notes was like, why is no one looking out for this girl? Like, why has no one said it is fucking weird that she spends 98% of her time with this guy that's like in his late 20s, early 30s? Granted, he, like, throughout the course of the show has never given us a reason to look at him and be like, you're suspect as fucked. But on the other hand, he's hanging out with a 15-year-old girl. So you still kind of have to have, like, your antlers up and be like, what the fuck is happening here? That this is something that, for whatever reason, they have brainwashed her (laughs) into thinking that yeah, this is what I need to be doing with my teenagers. Like, what the fuck is happening? Why is she not going to, like, football games? Why is she not playing in the band? Why is she not, like, having teenage drama? Why is she following this 30-something-plus guy into the forest to chase crap monsters? Like, and nobody has said, eh, it's not right that she's missing out on all this. They're all just like, yep, yeah, this is what's going to happen with her life. What the fuck, man? Maybe. Yeah, no. Um... So Hibiki's like 31, 32, Todoroki's like 26, 27, and Ibuki's like 23, 24. So that's, the age does not matter there, but I do at least appreciate how they are not doing the very American or Western media thing of like making him like a father figure to her in the slightest. I do appreciate that. I do. I'm yeah. glad to see that. Uh, but yeah, it's fucked up. It's like, there's just like, it's, I get that you're being apprenticed but she's like not old enough. She's like, like, was she thirteen when she started? Was she twelve when she started? Like, at what point was she like starting this training? Um, she like, we don't see any kind of parent or guardianship. Was she like put into the guardianship of like of like Takeshi, who is signing off for her to do all this? Like, if we saw her going home and being like oh yeah, like I went to my internship or like my part-time job. That's one thing. But we don't. Like, maybe there's some intonation in the voice or like the way it was translated, like where it was meant to be like, oh, like go to my house. Just go home. Which is weird. Yeah. She's in peril too. (laughs) And not only that, but like, um, was it the first four or five episodes that we watched for this arc, we watched at one point, like, they had run her all over the city so much that she passed out in a fucking tunnel. Like, and nobody knew. That's the thing that bothered me the most. Like, you are dealing with this whole squadron of guys that are supposed to be, like, these superheroes. They don't realize that they are quite literally running a 13-year-old girl to the point that she takes a nap in a fucking subway tunnel and an old woman has to wake her up. Because you are, like, running her all over the place for what? You're not even reporting to her when you don't find anything there till you're moving to the next place. Like, that's Well, there it. she gets reported. Um, she crosses path with the plague doctor and, like, he does some weird magic on her. That's why she passes out. No, I get that. Like she gets that migraine and she falls asleep. Yeah, yeah. But, but they it, should not. I mean, they, they should beat up with her because there's monsters in the city, and she has the gun first off. But also, like she is known to like try some shit and also be like a teen and like just don't let the teen be with the monsters in the city. Meet her up first. 
Yeah, and that was my other point. Like, I know she's tough, and God knows, like, if she heard me talking about her like this, she would come beat me up, and I'd deserve it. But point being, she's still a little kid, and you don't need to be sending her all over the fucking city like she's a courier. And even if it's an easy, if it's a better situation in Japan at that time, just in general, there still is the concerns of being underage girl in the city, you know? Yeah, no matter what city it is, you're always going to have that little bit of concern. And obviously, she doesn't because she's smarter than the average bear, and I will definitely give her that 100%. But when you are by yourself running through a city and you're already fucking exhausted and you can't even get to class without your weird nerd boyfriend who's in love with you taking your notes for you, you probably need to take a nap. Like step away from everybody and take a nap for a day. Like, don't even deal with these people. Yeah, because I can jamming out with his discs with his guitar. He doesn't need your help. Like, relax. It's fine. And like, just this is why, like, we have made a push as a side to be like, hey, you can't like you shouldn't be a like there shouldn't be child soldiers like there should be this like me that like i'm honestly morally against anyone who doesn't have financial security joining the military kind of thing where i'm like oh like that's exactly inherently kind of like predatory um not just like kind of like in a lot of ways like that's the way it works i feel like they're preying on her need as a teen to like be relied upon and get things done and be competent and like yeah both institutionally and specifically because like she's constantly like getting her praise and like this whole time just like oh like you're like the person like who becomes a manager at like a supermarket at like age like 17 and then like burns out hardcore you know at like 19 yeah because you've burned out all the 36 year olds who don't have a choice but to do this so yeah it's not even like she's in danger like in some fantasy story where it's like oh like you have to come live at this castle and it's the winter season two or something it's like no like this is like not a concern like what she's doing is basically like what if the what if the jedi were like a minor league baseball team and like that's shit that's like she's just gonna like she's not getting set for life if she gets hurt and she, like like she gets magic twice she gets shot here it's just like oh my god Exactly. What is the best thing she has to look forward to at this point? Like, quite literally, if she got shot down right now, knowing that the guy that is mentoring her is off fighting big monsters, which is what he's supposed to do, like, no shade on him, but I'm just saying, like, as a big generally specific rule. Say she gets shot down right now. The guy that owns the restaurant who controls all of this, at best, would give her parents something to take care of like maybe the funeral and a place to lay her to rest and that's it and then they just go find another school age girl to apprentice their dude because they don't seem to have a wide range of concerns where it comes to other people and that's the part that annoys me that's why i keep making like the like tradesperson or like kid farmer kind of like comparison of like there are these kind of like this feels like an old institution that 
relies upon like young blood for this like craft. And it's like it's one thing if you're an 18 year old who is age is weird. Like the whole thing of like if you need money, I don't care if you're 18, it's still like exploitative, but also like just also you age a whole fucking lot certain times in your life. And I think right now is definitely a time for her where it's like, oh, she needs to not have that kind of pressure on her. I'm like, sure, school is still that kind of pressure. Right. In some ways, but she's like, fuck, just let Akira live. Like, just they have to at some point like ban people under a certain age. Like it's just so weird, you know? Yeah, it definitely is. I have to agree with you on that. Ideally, like this the right way this was supposed to happen i think is like with what happened with zanki and like Todoroki, where it's like oh you have an adult mentoring another adult who's like younger maybe and like breaking in that kind of seems like the way you'd want to do it and like there's even a point with like him where they're like oh you just started and you have a car aren't you lucky it's like Wait, what the fuck are you talking about? He has to travel across the country and fight crabs. Like, of course he should get a free car or whatever. Multiple crabs, first off. Second off, he's just taking over what he had already grown to know. It isn't like he's, like, walking into a completely new role. Which is what annoyed me. Was that the fact that they treated it like he'd never been in that situation before. Or, like, he was, like, very privileged. Like, I get, like, say, oh, he's not ready for an apprentice, but he doesn't he's not he he like he doesn't have a supporter yet it's like what are you talking about he's going to fight life and death he needs somebody that could like drag him away from a like fight if he's like unconscious or something or like somebody to like help him out you know right that seems like it should be a thing yeah no i'm with you it was really annoying that they played it the way that they did and like also like my fucking dudes, why do you have there's a scene where <laughs> they're showing his car and they're like having like a like conversation and like I realize that they have a sticker on the car window for their secret organization and I'm like, how secret is it? Like I kind of like that, but part of me is like also like it's fun that it's not like a secret the same way. Like it's just like people turn the blind eye, maybe, but it's fucking you have a sticker for your group on your car. <laughs> Yeah, it's mean, weird to be. It seemed very soap opera ish in that fashion. Yeah. Um, but I, a lot of this is about Todoroki, though. Um, and I think he's a great character. I really like him. Um, he's kind of like just a lot of cop writers don't get to be goofy or lanky or weird and like awkward I think that the reason why he was so fun was because in real life he was all those things but when he was the common writer he was probably one of the coolest ones that you could hope to see like I quite literally a screenshot of him like jamming out with one of the disc monsters when he was playing because I thought it was one of the cutest things I'd ever seen in my life and I sent it to my friends But it was one of those things that, like, it perfectly illustrated how lost in, like, the writer um, persona that these characters can get. And they're all phenomenal actors, but just 
how deeply into that identity that they can fall that they they kind of like lose all those uh, chains that come with being their day-to-day personas and that's yeah. one of the reasons why he was one of my favorite writers because he encompassed that like in such a very bombastic way and it was fun to watch and like he's doing stuff like oh i lost my guitar sword I better just punch and use my element. And then like later on, they're like, oh, that's a good idea. We should do that too. Well, maybe we should like learn to fight in a certain way and like not focus on our weapon and like hold it different. And like his whole like jamming out is great. Um, but I thought it was so weird how they made it a plot point to like that he was jamming out. I was like, what's wrong with it? Like nobody's done this before. <laughs> Nobody has ever in the history of going into nature and beating up crabs and like fish and shit like played music on their instruments are you fucking serious <laughs> it was actually pretty funny to me that that was a point the plot point at all i think that that's one of the things that was so funny about it though was the fact that to him it was so natural that he couldn't understand why he was an anomaly for doing it and that's such a fun thing to kind of poke fun at especially in today's society where people tend to kind of be serious in a way that they never have before so it's really nice to see especially a writer who's supposed to be like this really distinguished like title this person of being and to him to just be like why can't I rock out on my guitar with my little disc character why does it have to be like this super serious thing and for him to kind of buck against that was a very fun thing for me to see as a first time viewer yeah had like um in the first episode like i like his debut and like i think that's like a fun arc but like i actually um like his second arc like a lot better in like 1920 but uh first let's talk about like episodes um 17 18 which is kind of um a lot of the soap operas here i think is like it's um like oh like uh the love triangle at the high school and like there's like the date that like um hibuki and like kasumi are on and it's like a lot of stuff like that and um what do you think about the way that like the school kids were feeling their feelings here i loved the fact that they um made such a very clear like love triangle for him but did it in a way that was so still um it wasn't petty it wasn't catty it wasn't like the kind of thing that yeah. you like on western media but it was very obvious um and i think that that speaks a lot to like the um talent of the characters themselves because they were able to display so many emotions with like so few scenes. Um, and it was a very interesting dynamic to follow just because, um, you didn't have like a clear cut person that you wanted to like quote unquote win. It was just a very sweet, like, um, kind of re-experiencing those melodramatic feelings that you had like in junior high and high school. Yeah. Like kind of just dealing with like that teenage shit. 
Um, and that's what made it fun for me. Like there was no, you know, this girl is better. This girl is better. It was very like split level of like, they thought it was the biggest thing in the world, but also it was super mundane too. Where it was like, Oh, it had nothing to do with like superpowers or like, Oh, we're all vampires. And that's why we like feel so strong. It was just like, Oh no. And like, it, even then they were like normal and nice about it. Yeah. And, and it was super imposed over like the, this various, very serious situation where like you know you had a monster attacking the city but they dealt with it like in this mature way that you wouldn't expect from that grade level and it was just it was fun to watch because of that because it didn't devolve into anything that was like over the top it was just a very natural progression of like people living their emotions and kind of having to deal with what life threw at them in the moment and it kind of breaks my heart though that like the first thing that Akira does is like let Mochi know, hey, no, like he's not aware of the love triangle. He's just helped me out. Go for it. I'm sure in like two years, me and him will accidentally like make out and have sex and something and like that'll be drama, but you're good till then. I just like, yeah, go for it. Just like <laughs> I'm not going to get in the way and like putting other people like in front of herself again because she's like even when she's like being a teen and like liking somebody, she's still that person, you know? Yeah. And I think that was one of the things that was so fun about her character was how overdeveloped it was in a lot of ways. But then in some ways you were just like, yeah, I'm still dealing with a teenage girl. Yeah. And that, that made it a a very fun, like dynamic to come back to because you knew what you were expecting of her because of how mature she was, but you were also kind of always waiting for the other shoe to drop because, you know, she is a 13, 14, whatever year old girl. So you never quite know what to expect. And that adds a very, very fun dynamic for me. And just like, it's just like so cool because it's like so rarely do we see teen characters or characters who aren't super young. So it's just like, oh, it's fun that she's like, very clearly trying to do like too much and like in this whole way like being mature but also like not taking care of herself in the same way she's like oh like it's very like she could be somebody who has to watch her siblings every day like when she gets home and like a lot of the stuff would still apply you know yeah definitely um she has that um characteristics that i think a lot of teenagers that had way too much responsibility thrust on them understand but she also still has a um a kind of relatable like kid-like vibe where you're kind of trying to figure out your way in life and that makes her super relatable as a character and i think the fact that she likes this dude who's just like pleasant and there like there's no real substance to it it's just like oh you're nearby and you're my age and you're like nice to me and like it doesn't feel like they're like soulmates or anything or like in love it just feels like oh this is nice it's like almost like when like two dogs meet or something it's like oh hey like let's do this like not like it's like a there's no import given to it you know Yeah, and that definitely is fun just in the aspect that it takes some of the pressure off. Um, Especially because, like I said before, it feels like, especially in these last few episodes, like they were trying really hard to kind of 
pair everyone off in a really simplistic way, but to have him kind of sitting on the outside and have these multiple girls that he really likes in different ways and for different reasons. Um, and to have especially one of them kind of be a lot more serious than he's used to adds a really like playful dynamic to it that you probably wouldn't have expected otherwise. He's such a pro he's not problematic, like in the way of like an issue, but like he's just a, a weird character for me to grok. Cause on one hand, like he's meant to be awkward and teenager. Like on the other hand, like they're trying to te- to like make him like this, like paragon of like youth and innocence. And like, there's this scene later on, I think in like one of the last episodes where like he sees a boob in a black tank top and is like, Oh my God, what do I do? Like, he's like, <laughs> Oh no. And like, on one hand I get it. On the other hand, I'm like, like it's a hard thing to do to handle any kind of teen sexuality in like an earnest way. But also it's just like, it's so funny. Like, Oh, there's a woman next to me and a black tank top. And then across from me is my, is my like friend who's in a white outfit and she's like very virginal. What do I do? I'm learning about humanity. It's like, okay, it's a little much sometimes for me with him. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely understand that. And, um, there's a scene where, um, Hibiki's in the woods, like testing lightsabers and stuff. I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, just like, let's try some R and D stuff in the woods. Oh, and that's like how he's not in the plot. And he's actually not in the plot a lot because he's not in episode 16 fighting. He's only briefly in episodes three of the next like six episodes fighting. Like he's not on any missions. Like he like joined some fights for a second, but it's not his show at this point. Like he's like in the background, which is like a fun like I I picked our episodes based on three points like a like the middle of the show the beginning of the show and the ends and like tried to make that into like seven weeks of stuff and um i'm glad these all felt like strong phases and had like clear marks and ends and like this had like a like this had like a a like ending that felt like oh and now this show's going to like change again too you know so it was like interesting how like this whole like part of the season was like the Hibiki's in the background as stuff keeps happening and like is like barely even like in the fights, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and it definitely felt like that. Like everything that was taking place as far as the heroes and the monsters. I hate to say this, but it, it almost felt like background noise to all the relationships that were kind of developing over the series. Um, and I guess that isn't really a bad thing because they developed all of them almost in such natural ways that it was really fun to see. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely felt like the uh, the superhero stuff was kind of second page to everything else that was happening. That's kind of like the game being like partially like given away, though, because like it's like, oh, that is all a lot of genre stuff. It's like, okay, I like character relationships, but I want to enjoy cool shit. 
And it's like, oh, like, what if I saw this person, like, understand what family is? And they did tons of flips. Like, that's kind of just, like, just what genre is at a certain point, you know? It's just like, oh, let's yeah, sure. do, like, a basic drama, but make people, like, shoot fire from their mouths. And hopefully people won't notice until it's too late. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that isn't something that is really that problematic either just because of the um intense watch value that it came oh with. yeah it's a great thing i liked how they were on a date um hibuki and kasumi and like oh she doesn't know him when he's serious or when he's not on time off and honestly good for him that he gets to have time off be like yeah i'm not gonna make any choices i'm not gonna like be serious i like fight life or death all the time with my teen ward like i'm 23 like that's fine by me like um i do think that um it's funny that like we see them in the city and like they're doing tremors and i was like oh yeah this is great we're doing tremors oh <laughs> uh, yeah i have a note for todoroki's talking to ichiro the dad and he like make sure to say no homo that he loves Zanky, but they aren't fucking. I was like, <laughs> what? I, um, I, I did make a quick note of that, but then I also kind of picked up that the reason that he was so insecure was because he was so just intensely in love with the younger daughter. And he was trying his best to like, in his way, be a gentleman about it. Uh, not to say that he did that perfectly because that whole scene was awkward, but it was uh, very cute the way that he ended up coming off of that whole interaction. As episodes like 19 and like 20, like he's just like doing this like wild stuff, like taking out like three crabs in one day. Like you said, there's this point where he has like this fucking nasty behind the back mid air shoulder finisher on this crab. like has it in the air and is playing from behind. He's like doing guitar solos with his like monkey friends. He's not putting away his discs, just like dumping them on the ground in like random order and like breaking them. Uh, <laughs> and like, he's just like beating up lots of crabs, like playing guitar, going home, having dates and making out and stuff. It's like, ah, oh, this is the life. What's better than this? Like eating lots of dumplings. He's living his life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he figured it out his way what can you do but no um i do like in the city episode though how they're going into like the like maintenance shafts of like the sewer and stuff and how there's like hibuki fighting without like his, his, his like gun and like having to like use like wind-based like kicks and chops and stuff and i really liked uh, the monster he faced it was like the stomach of the like larger creature and was like full of acid. So like all of his like attacks that were like cutting were actually like really bad and he was in danger. Very fun. Uh yeah, definitely. That uh that monster was definitely unique, but I did enjoy the whole process of him taking that particular monster out when sure. Yeah. And like it's like a we barely get Hibiki showing up again. Um and like uh, the one last point is that it ends with um them all at the tea shop, and we see Kasumi say, 
oh, he's become a fine man. And then like her sister makes fun of her. And it's like, that's funny. Like that. Yeah. You normies. I um I liked that whole scene just because it did have that very like um western style sitcom everybody coming together aspect toward the end of it but yeah, up, it, up, up. exactly uh, you, exactly you could hear like that music playing but it was adorable like on a lot of levels especially just because like all these girls that had been kind of pining after the all of these boys in one form or another just, you know, they didn't look at each other as rivals just for that specific scene anyway. And everybody just kind of came together and chilled. And it was very nice in a uh, very Western way. It was just, it was cute. I liked it. I can't, I can't really say that much about it. I want somebody and maybe I will, if I'm like impatient to take the full house opening and just put like the like show video song on like, like that everywhere you look there's a crab (laughs) though honestly if this show was in the US I feel like it would be set in like San Francisco like it's like oh there's a crab at the Golden Gate Bridge or no I mean you'd almost have to just for the fact that like for three or four episodes that was nothing but crabs so you'd I mean, you'd have to have, like, some coastline city that it was based in. So San Francisco makes as much sense as anywhere else. Yeah. Or the, like, the Pacific Northwest, I was thinking, might make sense of, like, oh, there's, like, different spots where people might go hiking. and. I I would say the Pacific Northwest for no other reason, just the fact that the stomach monster looked like something that was a very good combination of, like, um a Venus flytrap and what I would call the devil's lettuce. So I called it in my notes, uh, the Verigawina monster. Um, so ah. yeah, that would definitely, I feel like be a Pacific Northwest monster. Yeah. Like I was like, actually like really upset. Cause I was like talking to the devil and like, she was saying like, yeah, she wanted to get like an elective like surgery because her um, virginalness was getting made fun of, and I was like, "It's fine. It can look up like however you want." But she, I went through with it, and I was like, "Ah, oh, damn, damn, yeah." Man, America's rough on people. It really is. Our devil. healthcare system is shit, and this is what happens. Like you get turned into a virginalina monster on a uh, Sentai show. And this is what happens when you don't uh, vote for healthcare reform. So this is my yeah. platform for today. It is getting more Sentai-ish, though, as there's like more writers. You're right. Yeah, it definitely is. And and honestly, like as someone who, as I've said several times, is very new to this type of media, I am enjoying the hell out of it because I'm like starting to be able to pick up on those patterns of like what is becoming sentai and what is kind of like filler um and i'm not gonna lie i love the filler but i also like seeing this progression into things that are more like traditional sentai as opposed to just you know these kind of unique one-offs that i tend to enjoy like the weirdo i am when you say sentai like are you saying like more like power rangers like super sentai or like a a, like well not only that but i mean 
because of you, I've watched a lot of things now and I can kind of like see the story progressing into things that are not only like Super Sentai, but like, you know, we watched Jan Jan Sport and, um, oh God, uh, I would love to be able to name off a whole list right now, but I can't. I will just say that. You've watched Geki Ranger, Geki the Power Ranger, Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> But I think you called that Jansport. I was like, that's a cool day. <laughs> it's lit. That's oh no, that's the fucking book bags. Oh, live it up to me. Anyway. So I know in my head what I'm thinking of. And uh yeah, I I can start to see like kind of some of those patterns start to play out with this series. And I'm enjoying it. Not just because it's starting to follow that predictable pattern that I've come to like, but just because in its own right, it has such relatable and lovable characters that you know you you might find them in other series but i've really come to appreciate these ones so i'm yeah loving seeing this kind of progress over time my main thing that makes me tend to prefer like writer over like sentai stuff is that um when the writers come together they've been established as their own characters like maybe they've had like some more interpersonal conflict so like when they team up it can be more meaningful and i think that's the fun thing when it's like oh it's like episode 20 and there's like three of them at once this is great whoa like things are legit right now you know yeah and it's not only that but like even with the characters even when they have like these little bits of because there was i don't i can't remember like without looking directly at my notes but it was like i think 19 or 20 where the Bicky finally like shows a little bit of I don't want to say animosity, but a little bit of like competitiveness with the Buki when his uh gal pal is talking about how cool he is. Um Yeah. And I like that that isn't something that's like really overt or it's like this machismo thing taking over. It's just like, well, I'm cool too, right? It's it, it's not like an overwhelming plot point, but more like something like, I want you to recognize it. You know, I do hard work also. And is, I think he, is Hibiki a bean dad? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I tried to think of a way to soften that, but I couldn't. So I just had to keep saying, yeah, 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 he is. Like, but, is he somebody who wants a kid in a couple of years so that he knows how cool he is? I feel like, yeah, that encompasses his character perfectly. But to get through 1920, um, it turns out that it's not a crab. It's a lobster that could fly and it's a bad matchup. But also, um, I do have this note that they really finger that dude. So I'm assuming that's when the parrots kill like a fisherman with their fingers and not something else. Yeah. Yeah. The, the parents are a special breed. I have to give them that. But like I said before, they are also some of the, um, well, at least the uh, female that plays the father. Definitely one of the strongest roles in the series, just for the fact that she is always able to contort her body in such weird dynamic ways to represent each of the monsters that they're parents to at the time. So that, they're always a blast to watch on screen. Yeah, they are like they just do so much with just like what is basically costumes and like walking funny. 
Yeah, yeah. And the fact that they get like maybe one or two lines per episode, but they always do so much with them. It's like, I don't know, either of them could honestly steal any of these episodes and I'd be perfectly content just because they always do it so well. Yeah, no. And like, I um think we'll get some more interesting stuff with them too, or like more character work, which is like a fun thing to consider because I like want to see um who are they why are they the template you know yeah and why does the plague doctor keep coming back to them like you can see throughout um each of the episodes that he appears in that he obviously has this grand mystical appearance but why are these two people that he keeps like coming back to i think that will be a very fun thing to kind of discover in the future the main characters keep saying like oh they must be experimenting and it's only after Akira sees like the man in black where she's like oh that's a person but like they didn't <laughs> it's so wild that they never questioned it like that was the first time they had any kind of detail it seems like or any kind of like point of reference on who the they is that they're fighting mm-hmm. uh, but no um, episode 21 and 22 um are interesting because they're kind of like returning to some of the plot lines already where it's like oh there's like a different kind of Ani this time it's like all the way new there's like team ups happening we get some more of um Hasumu starts working at the tea shop in the last of episodes and like his dealing how he can um gets a phone call from like a like grumpy like danky who we met like a little while ago and she's like okay like he's like anxious he's like try to figure out like his place in the whole thing and learn stuff and um just in the background kind of because like the subplot here is that they're going to deliver tea to a local school and they meet like an old woman who's suffering from old lady disease uh just like a rampant thing in media where she has like a nondescript pain that is both very vital to get treated, but not at all. <laughs> Hibiki runs to get the doctor and never uses a car, just like carries him there and there and there. It's like that this seems not efficient, but sure. Why not? It's fun. Yeah, not efficient, but very much on brand, I felt like. Like he doesn't always put a lot of deep thought into things. And that is both enjoyable and very frustrating about his character. Yeah. And the A plot here is that um, there's two different sets of monsters that are moving and they're like ignoring people. And they're like, what could be happening? Why are these two monsters moving towards each other? Could they be moving towards each other? And then they fight two sets of parents in what is a very good fight scene. It's like very intense. There's lots of stuff like I love just how like desperate these fight scenes all seem. Yeah, I do too, almost, um, especially because you realize, like, how much more there is to the series. So, you realize it probably isn't life or death, but still, when you're watching it, there's that part of you that's like, maybe? So, you still have to be invested in it, whether you, like, had pre-planned to be or not. And I appreciate that in the series. Though, to that point... um it would be super interesting if we saw either Todoroki 
or Hibuki get very badly hurt or like killed because they both have like people who could technically fill it for them but shouldn't. And that would be a fun plot line. Uh, because to us, apparently, this show is starring Todoroki and like Akira, but hey, yeah, what do we know? Yeah, what do we know? <laughs> there is a fusion monster and it is too much for them. It's like half flying piranha and half bull porcupine. And they're like, we can't kill this thing. This isn't working. Mm-hmm. But then we get their full team up and they just kind of beat the shit out of this thing. Yeah. Which was fun to see. Don't get me wrong. But there was also that part of me that was like, oh, what are they going to do now before I realized what they were going to do? Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's always fun to see um the characters kind of have to improv on the fly and come up with something that is completely unexpected. This time it wasn't so unexpected, but it was still fun to watch. They cut this thing's like arms off and its horns off and they all do their finishes on it and like synchronize. It's like, okay, this is the show saying now this is the ultimate thing they can do. It's like, okay. There's still a lot more show to go, so it gets like fun to see. And now, what is the next escalation? Because like back in episode like nine and ten, it was like, oh, there's two writers teaming up. Well, that's like the big like thing. And now there's like the whole team's here, and they're all doing one attack at the same time. And like, it's only going to get more complicated or like more dangerous for them. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, that does also add a layer of interest because, you know, you can't help but wonder what's going to be the next big thing. Yeah. And um, Hibiki learned to use the flame sword lightsaber thing now. And it reminds me, did you ever see the Wolverine movie that like people forget about? Where, like, he goes to Japan and, like is like fighting the Yakuza and stuff and like ninja clans or no? I can't say I have. There were three Wolverine movies. There was the one that was bad. There's one that was kind of better, but was that one. And then there's the one that like everyone like really likes. Uh, Logan. But um, in that movie, there's the scene where um, he picks up like a robot's sword and is like, the whole big repeating thing is like, oh, like Japanese sword uses two hands and he makes it light up and like cut through like metal. And that's kind of what they do here. We're like for like Hibiki is like, yeah, if I hold this with like two hands, I could like make a sword come out. Like that's what it uh makes me think of there. But oh my. And then we get the end of this phase of the show because they're all in their really great helmetless suits. And they're talking and and they're like comparing poses and like talking about stuff. It's like, oh, things are about to get worse for them somehow. Oh, yeah, they have to be. Yeah. Nobody's allowed to be this peaceful. Can't have that. I don't know. I'm feeling good as far as the points that we're cutting off. And I'm very interested to see where we leave next episode. I think next episode is going to be perhaps the most complicated that we feel about this show. Um, having not seen it, just um, I know that that there's like an interesting midpoint for the show coming up. Well, I can't wait. I left these episodes feeling like I like this, 
I really hate all these people for like they're exploiting the adults already by making them be like minor league baseball like Jedi and then they're also exploiting the kids to make that keep working it's like let's break all these people's like bodies down by the time they're 35 and let's get some teens in there to do it again you know mm-hmm. I'm still hopeful that like it's gonna it's interested in examining that and what the next step is for this kind of institution or world yeah I'm in the same boat I um I'm watching with the hope that things improve, especially for characters like Akira. I don't think they will, but I'm watching with that hope. And I'm very invested to see kind of how they play off of themselves and the monsters next, just because they've had a really great dynamic with that so far. Yeah, because it's like a very delicate balance of escalation, too. It's like, okay, like the part of me that's like cares about like the technical eccentricities of like fighting these monsters this is great i hope they keep that up and just also are they gonna gloss over and have like a nice finish to certain arcs or are things going to be messy for like structural and like also interpersonal like reasons which i hope uh that's just me though no i'm with you i want mess i want to see the mari show up here yeah, honestly, like I want to like um, have there be something like, hey, we got to like figure out how to do our taxes so we don't get fucked up by like the government that wants to like begin to fighting monsters, too. But like they're currently not, but they're like threatening to like close my church or something. I don't know. Exactly. Some dumb messy shit is what I want. Yes. <laughs> Next time we're doing episodes 23 to 29. Um. And that leaves us with our favorite monster and our top three favorite characters. So I'm going to let you go first, Steph. Uh, what was your favorite monster design? I'm going to have to go with uh, Vagina Wana. Um, okay. I realized that that was only the belly of the big monster, and the big monster did end up getting its come up in a couple of episodes later. I, but I liked the belly. I liked it a lot. It had a lot of personality. Um, as far as favorite characters, I'm going to have to go with Akira. I feel like I, I think I had her my first episode of this arc, but I'm going to go with her again. Um, Abuki really grew on me these past three or four episodes just because his character took a really mature arc that I enjoyed. Um, God, and I forgot his name. The guitar player, the Oni that plays guitar, the new one. Todoroki. Yes. He was definitely my third favorite because, like I said, I got a screen grab of him jamming out with one of his disc monsters, and it's one of my favorite things on my phone right now. So those are my three top favorite characters. Oh, yeah. Um, I think um, for favorite monster design, um, I might cheat a little bit and say that I like the... um, the mustachio dad from the city episode understandable yeah very good shot uh the actual monster design not the best but just the fact that like they were like mustachio and having fun and like they were doing a tremors which i really enjoy uh and then favorite characters gotta be there with akira um like 
maybe they don't stick to landing. Doesn't get her comeuppance otherwise. You gotta you gotta admire her as a character. Yeah. Like she's kind of the main character of the show because it's split, but she's consistently in both plot lines too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um I'd say Todoroki, like very good, just a lot of good energy to that dude. Uh like just he's an adult who's enjoying being in this exploitative like situation. So hey. Like, uh, yeah, I like that in his real life, he's probably one of the most wound up people in the world. And you can kind of see that, like, with his interactions. But when he gets to put on the costume and, like, rock out with his guitar, he totally turns into, like, the kind of guy that you would want to hang around you. Like, he likes to have fun and he likes to just do his thing. So, yeah, that's why I like him. He's a very dynamic character. We are just like Netflix here, and, th- and that we. We'll have comedy specials about not being censored. And you wanted to say rock out with cock out. And he does, in fact, do that. He that does. Thing definitely. That he rocks out with his cock and his disc out. I mean, the dude has got it going on. Let's just say that. Yeah, because I guess he can. He's bad at transforming and gets naked and has to, like, just <laughs> turn his face off or they all lose their clothes. Who knows? Yeah. And he ruins his discs. Constantly, that's a constant complaint that they have in this series. I just love when he throws them all on the ground. Just that's <laughs> my favorite thing. He just like takes the box and tosses it over a bunch of rocks. I'm like, yes, yeah, like he's just, like finding socks or something. Uh, what's my my third favorite character here? Um, this is tough. I feel like a lot of people have fallen in the in the rankings for me. Um, yeah, but we also got a lot of good standouts with this past series too so it's tough i'm gonna say zanky because he's basically like a retired pitcher who like really messed up like his like shoulder or like knee or something where it's like oh i can't do it anymore so i guess i'll be a trainer yeah and he's he's really stern but you can tell he wants to like kind of have a laugh so yeah he's a fun character to hang around also we're dealing with the retirement of a soldier in this weird place. It's very interesting to me. I think I don't necessarily, I hope they do complicated stuff with his role and what he, he does with his life. Does he have to work too and like find a job now? Or is he like getting paid? Like what's going on there? But he, he and Akira both don't seem destined for good endings on this show. I will say. Right. Which is maybe why I like enjoy them so much, but you know. Okay. Oh. And with that, oh, where will find you, Steph, when you're not talking about Tokusatsu? Uh, that's tough because I do enjoy talking about it uh probably more than I would have ever expected up until I met Kip. Um, but aside from that, you can find me on Twitter at uh underscore hat or I'm sorry, at hat underscore sis. Um, you can find me on Instagram uh, under nobody much. And you can find me online at www.arcademilitia.com. Um, we are going to have some episodes up soon. It's just going to be a matter of me taking the time to edit some audio, which I haven't had time to do lately, but going to get on it. So that's where you can find me. 
All right. Uh, you can find me on twitter.com at James Forge. You can find Common Rides with me at Common Rides with me on Twitter and Instagram, commonrides.com. Go to commonrides.com slash merch for our merch. Uh, and currently, uh, we are still with the Trevor Project for our place to donate. So that is where all proceeds go. Uh, there is a new shirt for Tassel Out uh, called Bon Lectin Peace. That is a new design. Uh, like always, I just make things available wherever it looks vaguely good because it's, it's already going to charity. So there's like, if you want a clock with a man smiling, you can have that, I guess. But um, <laughs> um, if I can add something just real quick. Yeah. Um, a few months ago, back when I first, first started on the show, one of the things that I did was get onto the website and buy some merch. And one of the things that I bought was the common ride with me lap blanket. Um, and I will tell you that that is something that I have used even during the summertime fairly consistently. Um, my wife, daughter, and Various pets have tried to steal it from me on numerous occasions, and it's one of the things that I will fight for. Um, so I can speak to the fact that uh, our merch not only goes to a uh, good cause, but is pretty decently quality merchandise. So go ahead and, and jump on the website and get some of that. Yeah, I think pretty soon I'll put up a version of our design, too, for... Uh the hibiki logo because we got a custom logo made oh damn it i have to go get another hoodie now shucks that logo i was so worried about at the end i was like very happy with but uh yeah there is also a comment.com slash episodes for links to various platforms if you need it um and with that um have we learned anything is there anything that we want to make sure they've learned from us stuff I think the biggest lesson that I have learned from this is that um, if you have an apprentice who is still in grade school, maybe let her take a couple days off once in a while. Um, I've never been in a carer's position. I'm just trying to speak from a place of empathy and saying, give that girl a fucking Friday. I mean, something. That's that's all I'm going to say from here. And the words of... Uh... Hangman Adam Page. You don't need a hat to be a cowboy, but damn, does it sure help if you're an adult. Right. I'm going to add the second part. That's original <laughs> there. Uh, and in the words of uh, Creed, my sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> That logo, I was so worried about. At the end, I was like very happy with. But uh, yeah, there is also a comment.com slash episodes for links to various platforms if you need it. Um, and with that, um, have we learned anything? Is there anything that we want to make sure they've learned from us? Steph? I think the biggest lesson that I have learned from this is that um, if you have an apprentice who is still in grade school, Maybe let her take a couple days off once in a while. Um, I've never been in a carer's position. I'm just trying to speak from a place of empathy and saying, give that girl a fucking Friday. I mean, something. That's that's all I'm going to say from here. In the words of uh, Hangman Adam Page, you don't need a hat to be a cowboy. But 
damn, does it sure help if you're an adult. Right. I'm gonna add the second part. That's original <laughs> there. Uh, and in the words of uh, Creed, my sacrifice. <laughs> 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 